Say what? Oh, this is Brian. Call me the Queen without a King Gardener, coming to you from the Devil's Hole, aka the subterranean studio of the new Ramble on Towers in scenic Hasper, Ontario. And you are listening to Ramble on Radio, episode 160. Ramble on Radio is the longest running podcast on this or any other known internets. You can subscribe to Ramble on Radio through iTunes and Google Play. Uh, and if you're in either Google or Google Store or iTunes, um, leave a review. It helps other people find this podcast. It helps Google and Apple's um, algorithms find the podcast, which basically puts it higher up the list. If people search for Led Zeppelin podcast, it, it would go up higher. It's also available on Podbean at I'm Brian Dammit. Podbean has their own mobile streaming app, and you can listen to it on that. You can listen on Stitcher Radio, Verbal.com, and don't forget to check out um, and like the video at Ramble on Radio on YouTube. And if you're on YouTube, said like like the video. It also helps find. Um, also, be sure to share this with your friends on social media, on Facebook. I on the Facebook like the Facebook page. Uh, I usually, but not always, um, post a link to the upload when that's done, and that gives um, so you can share that with your friends. More of your friends can find it. All these things just help keep the podcast moving along. Keep keep people listening to it also be sure to like and follow ramble on radio on facebook as i just said you can support ramble on radio by becoming a patron on patreon um a little behind my time here i i'm uh i just didn't get to it two week two three weeks ago i guess i didn't get to it and then it, time ran away from me and i kind of have a schedule and i wanted to i kind of thought uh, maybe i'll stick it in the middle and then maybe i'll so what's going to happen here is i'm doing this one the next one will be in three weeks and that puts me back on the schedule i want to be on and that would keep and then i'll roll the schedule every other week from there um but probably the next couple of weekends i'll throw in and um on a repeat so that we can get those upgraded too and i'll try to remember to do that okay so the intro music may 18 1975 today is may 18 so there you go that was uh, 46 years ago, the second of the legendary Earl Court shows with going to California. And if you didn't know that was going to California, you're listening to the wrong podcast. That's my best bet. Uh, in history, in uh, Led Zeppelin history, um, the 14th of May, this is May, right? Well, 14th of May, 1988 was the Atlantic 40th anniversary concert. How many 
if you guys knew about that at the time. I, I know there are people who did. I know there are people who watched it. I had no idea. I didn't hear about it until 20 years later, I'm betting. Um, when I on the internet, people were talking about it. Uh, wait, what? What? <laughs> they reunited in 1988? Uh, I'd be curious. How many people knew about that show? Um, I would love to have sat up and watched a Saturday night at midnight or whatever it was. I mean, I don't watch that. Um, in 1977, on the 16th of May, there was a false report of Robert Plant being arrested in Texas. Uh, and interesting, you know, this I remember from when from when it happened. But yeah, there was uh, somebody was imitating him or something, and yeah, I, I kind of vaguely recall this. Um, May 17th to 19th, and then 24th to 25th. So 17, 18, 19, 24, 25 were the Earl's Court shows in 1975. As I say, 46 years ago. And in 2011, on the 17th, John Paul Jones appears on Jules Holland playing bass for Seasick Steve. Uh, on May 18, 1977, they kicked off the second leg of the 77 tour. And um, we'll get a couple more things, actually. On May 20, 1985, Robert Plant's album Shaken and Stirred was released. On May 25, 1969, the Zeppelin opened for the Who at the Meriwether Post Pavilion, Columbia, Maryland. I have no idea why that's on my list. Um, on May 26, 1964, Marianne Faithful records the Rolling Stones song As Tears Go By, and she was, of course, dating Mick Jagger at the time. With Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones were on that session. And May 31, 1948, John Bonham was born. So that's... Uh, that's what happened in history. Uh, as we go. Uh, I think we have an interesting topic this week. I have a topic that uh, I'll get to. I'll get to I, go off to I go off on tangents, don't I? Um, so, uh, yeah, let's talk about a few things first. There's, there's some upcoming books. This year is going to be, as every year, come, you know, November, September, late, late in the year, the close Christmas shopping season, out come the books. And there's always a couple of Zeppelins. There's... Um, well, three upcoming Zeppelin books right now. Bob Spitz has done Led Zeppelin, the biography, on November 9th. Um, I don't know. I, do you think there's anything they could put out? They could, is there any surprises coming? Is there anything we didn't know um, that's, worth, that's worth a new book? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why that wouldn't be just the same. Uh, as we always get. Uh, and then CM Cushions, The Beast, John Bonham, and The Rise of Led Zeppelin. It will include a foreword by Dave Grohl. That is to be released on September 7th. Uh, and as the summer rolls, I will, in the next little while, I will probably get in touch with publishers of both those books and see about getting an advanced copy so we can review it here, so I can review it here for you. Um, and uh, hopefully that, hopefully I can get that so you know coming Christmas. Um that uh, whether to get it or not. Uh, and then photographer Russ Halfin, best friend of Jimmy Page, um, mentor to Scarlet Page, um, has a book about Led Zeppelin vinyl records called Led Zeppelin Vinyl, The Essential Collection. 12-inch by 12-inch hardback book, so the size of a, an LP record, an, an album, um, a vinyl, as you kids say. Um, so the 12-inch by 12-inch hardcover book that features more than 300 illustrations of rare Led Zeppelin vinyl records. Um, it was originally supposed to be this week, actually. It was actually supposed to be out this week. It's now August 10th. Um, and 
let's say he's a professional photographer, he's a professional rock photographer. So this I'm sure will be significantly cool, uh, visually cool. This will look great. This will be a lot of really cool albums that you've probably never seen before. Um, and, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, all three members of Led Zeppelin have signed a letter demanding British Parliament reform laws on streaming royalties. The uh, There's a bunch of musicians got together in Britain and they're demanding that Parliament reform streaming laws, basically saying there's no money in streaming for the artists. All the money's winding up in the hands of the streaming companies slash the record companies. Um, and, I mean, they're right. I just... I don't know what they can do about it that doesn't kill the streaming in the first place. Um, and that, so that's maybe the question. I, I don't know for sure. I've just read enough about this to know there's, there's not as much money in a per song streaming as, as people think. Um, it, it's just, it's not there. You know, people don't actually pay to stream. There's some advertising involved, but People listen to music all day on stream and, and um, you know, and, and they compare it to the radio, but you get, you don't get um, money as an artist for every time somebody listens to the song on the radio. You get money every time somebody plays the song on the radio. So a radio station plays and 100,000 people hear it. That's one royalty payment, not 100,000 royalty payments. So to try and hit, you know, a reasonable royalty fee for Every time somebody listens to a song by Led Zeppelin, a song by whoever, and that each of those artists gets a good cut, um, I don't know. There's a, I don't know. There's a fair middle ground. And believe me, look, the artists are getting screwed on this. Um, the artists always get screwed when it comes to the music business. The artists are always the ones getting screwed, and that's happening. Uh, I just don't know what the solution is. Uh, and I'd like to. I'd you know I'd be interested in in um, hearing that. In, in in something like that. Um, this one bugs me just a little. Uh, Robert Plant recorded a video message for broadcaster Mike Embley, who is leaving the BBC. Remember when? Like I like Robert Plant when he didn't trust the media, not when he's buddies with these guys, not when he's doing um, retirement videos for guys who 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 were the newscasters on the BBC. You know, Robert Plant used to be about the fan and. And now he only does it, and I, you know, as a podcaster, it bugs me. There's no way he'll ever come on this. I've got Jimmy Page on this show long before I ever got Robert Plant. Um, I'd probably get John Paul Jones before I get both of those guys, to be honest. But, um, and certainly I would get all three of those before I get Jason Bonham. <laughs> yes, that, that much I've figured out. I don't know why that's, that's, but, uh, <clears throat> boy. Um, but, um. But Robert Plant, you know, being kind of chummy with media figures, it, I don't know, there's something about it bugs me. It's just, it's non-Led Zeppelin-esque. Um, he, uh, you know, they're not supposed to trust these guys, not not be buddy-buddy on the retirement parties. Um, but that's just me. That's me being a little bit of a, I don't know, being a 70s kid who we didn't like our rock stars to to uh, socialize with other, you know, other members of the media and stuff. Um, anyway, Robert Plant is also touring. If you live in Canada like I do, 
This drives you absolutely freaking bonkers. I can't go to a restaurant and have a friggin' meal on a patio, but Robert Plant can fucking make a tour in, in the UK. Um, so yeah, that's um, that's my lockdown beef for the day. I said it last time, I'll say it again. If you think your politicians suck, move to Canada. Um, because boy, just a dismal, dismal, dismal state of affairs in this country right now. Um, you know, so while in the States, we're seeing um, my boys and get the lead out are starting to do some shows. Um, <clears throat> you know, you're starting to see concerts happen. In the UK, Robert Plant's booking shows. Um, <laughs> they're questioning whether summer camps will be open for the kids, whether the kids will be able to play basketball outside. Um, in the summer, in June, in June 24th, by June 24th, it's unlikely we'll be able to eat inside a restaurant in here, and Robert Plant will be doing the show. So, um, so if you're in England, boy, jump on this, because uh, there's, there's those of us who would just love for this right now. Robert Plant's touring with Saving Grace. We've talked a bit before, and I don't have the names of Saving Grace's. Kind of like Band of Joy again. There's a female singer in there with them, and there's... um. Uh, yeah, there seems to be more, you know, oddball instruments and stuff. So, uh, but uh, be interesting. To, I don't know. They, I think they've done an, uh, they've done a, a performance or two, but not a full show. So it'll be interesting to hear what they perform, how they perform it. June twenty fourth, Exmouth Pavilion. I have no idea where most of these places are, by the way. If you're in Britain, here's what I did catch on Twitter. This is in the south. He's not doing any shows in the north of Britain, apparently. Um, so, uh, June 25th, The Lighthouse Pool, June 27th, The Black Deer Festival, June 29th, Seventh Theatre in Shrewsbury, uh, July 26th, Dudley Town Hall, July 31st, The Underneath the Stars Festival, I have no idea where that is, but it sounds fabulous. Um, there was one listed, um, on the 22nd of June, originally he posted them, there was one on Tenbury Wells, which is, then he scratch reposted the uh the dates and the tenbury wells one wasn't there so don't know why don't know what happened to tenbury wells but uh, welcome to our world <laughs> if you're in tenbury wells welcome to canada um okay. yeah 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 stop your bitching um a gong used by john bonham on stage so john bonham's stage gong um and I presume he used one. Gongs are big, expensive things. I, I, I've never heard anything. Uh, I mean, he might have had two. I don't know. But a gong used by John Bonham on stage with Led Zeppelin sold at auction for 52,750 British pounds. Um, was that about 20,000 US dollars? Twenty to thirty thousand. I'm going to guess twenty to thirty thousand dollars. It was estimated to sell for twenty to thirty thousand pounds. Yeah, I have. Sorry, I'm not up on my. Uh, I know what the Canadian dollar is doing versus the U.S. I have not because we can't travel. I never keep look, and uh, I yeah, I have no idea where the British pound is right now. But uh, so I'm going to guess between twenty and thirty thousand dollars is what we're talking about. Um, the second international John Bonham a celebration. In uh, Redditch, Worcestershire, England, is uh, set to go for Saturday, the 25th of September, 2021. I believe this is, we had um, the people who did the uh, the statue for John Bonham in Redditch, um, the people who fundraised for that and kind of put all that together. 
um, way back years ago. We had them on the show. I had them on the show here. Um, interviewed them on a Friday afternoon. It was Friday night there. They were well into their cups. Um, and, but we had a nice interview with them. They were, um, um, I, you know, they were lovely. I liked them. Um, I, I confess I wondered whether they would ever pull it off, and they did, and they're now doing festivals. Um, so this is the second one. I don't think there was one last year. I think there was one two years ago. There's one planned. And it looks like it's a one-day festival, Saturday, the 25th of September. But um, there's... Uh, um, afternoon events and evening events. There's concerts. Definitely there's a band, a Zeppelin tribute band, Coda. Was it Coda? Uh, I don't remember, but I think it was Coda they're called. But uh, I had seen the, uh, I have seen them before. Um, like listed at events and stuff. I think Dave Lewis has talked about them before. So, but they have some other acts also will be performing. There's an afternoon show and an evening show. So, if you're anywhere near Redditch in September, uh, or anywhere near Worcestershire, I guess, that's something for you to do, and it would be fun, and uh, good on them. Yeah, maybe. Maybe by September I can come, eh? Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, okay, so I wanted to talk, I, 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 I kind of started hinting on this earlier. This is a weird topic because... Um, If you like video, you're not getting video. Okay. So this this is a bit of a weird topic. I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself, but video just died off, so I don't know what happened. Um, it just because there's not a lot about it. It's not talked about when you see the books. When you go into the books, it's. Uh, I checked about five or six Led Zeppelin books and a Jimmy Page book, and either there's no mention of this topic at all, or um, it gets a paragraph at best. Um, it really, it's just not there, um, which is a bit strange, I think. Um, and I, by the way, I'm not, uh, I'm not meaning to sound mysterious. I'll get there. And no, it's not scandalous. It's not something salacious at all. It's musical. Um, it's a band. And uh, Jimmy Page performed with them. And and I said that there's just not a lot of talk about it. And I did end up going to Jim McCarty's book, Nobody Told Me, um, who was the drummer for the Yardbirds, to get most of my information on this. So take of that what you will. Uh, and the band we're talking about is a band called Box of Frogs. Uh, Box of Frogs was basically a reuniting of the Yardbirds, um, or the core, you know, rhythm section of the Yardbirds. Really, Jim McCarty, Chris Strea, uh, who's drummer and rhythm guitarist, and um, and a little later on, and through the Box of Frogs era of this, certainly, um, Paul Samuel Smith who was the original bass player. Uh, Paul Samuel Smith left in uh, 67, I guess. Um, Chris Drea moved. Jimmy Page jumped in and played some gigs on bass and then jumped over to lead guitar while Chris Drea moved to bass, if you recall, if you know your Led Zeppelin history. Um, and Paul Samuel Smith is rather famous. He was part of 10CC. 
uh, and he's a really high-end producer. Has done a lot of, a lot of acts producing and that sort of thing, and songwriting for people and whatnot. Anyway, so in 1982, uh, Jim McCarty and Chris Drea decided to reform. They they um, they got a phone call from somebody saying, "Hey, did you guys ever thought about doing this?" And they um, they got a fella named uh, Joe Allison on bass from a band called None Below Zeros, and uh, Mark Feltman from Illusion. Um, on vocals and uh, uh, John Knightsbridge from a band called Illusions on guitars. They played some dates. The original phone call came from Spain, and the guy said, "You know, I, I think we could put some stuff together, make you guys a little money. Have a, you know, you guys are a popular band here." Um, so they played some dates in Spain, in Madrid, and Barcelona, uh, and appeared on a Spanish TV show playing "Shapes of Things" for your love. I wish you would, and bring it on home to me. This is apparently, I did not look it up, but it is apparently online on YouTube and available to see. Um, it went well. It went, they got a good reaction. They felt like they played well. They felt like everything was rolling very nicely. The Marquee Club, where the Yardbirds got their start in their early, very early 60s, was getting ready to celebrate its 25th anniversary. Um, and so discussions... So they were, having heard that the Yardbirds were playing some dates in Spain, the Marquee Club contacted them uh, about playing the 25th anniversary event. It was a natural fit, and they agreed. Um, at this stage, Paul Samuel Smith heard about it uh, and became interested in joining, rejoining the group as Zoe Roller's bassist. So they called Eric Clapton. They called, let's get a guitar player, a different guitar player. Um, but he was heading out on the U.S. tour and declined. Um, McCarty says something along the lines of it was a long shot. McCart we called Clapton. What the heck? They thought it was a long shot. And sure enough, he was unavailable. He was uh, packing for a U.S. tour. The show at the Marquee Club was, again, quite a success. And so this issue was made to kind of continue. But they decided will not be the Yardbirds. I think this is mistake number one, by the way. Um, lots of bands re-emerged in the 80s that were from the 60s and picked up where they left off. Lots of bands. Um, you know, even nowadays, there's all sorts of bands running around calling themselves, as we know, the Yardbirds have toured for a bunch of years under the moniker Yardbirds, uh, or at least did from about 2000 to 2015 or so. Uh, maybe not quite that, but... Uh, so it, it was a very doable thing working as the Yardbirds, and you had the rhythm section, you had the original rhythm section. So I think that maybe was mistake number one, but that's just me. <laughs> but they decided to, to go at it from a different name or with a fresh perspective, different name. So Drea McCarty, Samuel Smith, they were rehearsing, they're writing the material, and out of the blue, they got a phone call from a guy called John Fiddler. He's a singer from Medicine Hat, the band, Medicine Hat, not the town in Alberta. And uh, they they jumped on the opportunity to get them. So the band signed a recording contract with their old label, Epic Records. Um, but they did shop it around a bit, and courtesy of uh, another label, Island Records, they got a name, Box of Frogs. Uh, as in the old joke, you're about as ugly as a box of frogs. Um, so Epic agreed on, a, on a, an EP, a four or five song EP. And they, the record company, Epic, 
um, reached out to a other epic recording artist to jump in the in the fray, Jeff Beck, to play lead guitar. Beck agreed, and it was agreed they would record the four the four or five tracks, and then Beck would come and overdub his parts. Um, there's kind of something to remember here at this point. Um, Jeff Beck, in 1965, he joined the Airbirds. He was a nobody. He was playing a band called the Tritons, but he was virtually a nobody. He was an unheard of. He was really a kid. Um, and they approached, Clapton left the band. They actually approached Jimmy Page, and he said no, but he knew a guy. He knew Jeff Beck. So they brought Beck in. An unknown they let him go, and they, they also let him have creative freedom. So he was he changed, Beck changed the band just by virtue of being, um, by being himself instead of being an Eric Clapton clone, uh, and the band changed with him. So you gotta, you got to figure that Beck's likes these guys, wants to help these guys. Um, you know, they took a chance on him and gave him the freedom to do... So you'd think it's it's not surprising that when he got a chance to return the favor, um, he was all in to, to return the favor. And uh, I'm going to go at it from now. From from This is direct from Jim McCarty's book, Nobody Told Me, um, on what happened when Jeff Beck showed up. Uh, it was close to Christmas, and Epic delivered our present. Jeff Beck had said yes. Of course, he would only be overdubbing the tracks we'd already recorded, but there is no only where Jeff is concerned. He let rip. More than that, he was so into it, he joined us for some backing vocals and even threw in some tambourine. His enthusiasm for what we'd accomplished was boundless. No, we never for a moment had any of becoming and entertained the idea of him becoming a permanent resident of our box of frogs. Not ugly enough, for one thing. But there was a moment... <laughs> sorry, that was me. That was an aside by me. That was not in Jim McCarty's book. Uh, but there was a moment during the session that it felt as though he'd become one anyway. He even brought us under the wing of his own manager, Ernst Chapman, to work out the fine points of our deal with Epic, which opened to them scrapping the EP altogether. They wanted us to record a full album. Uh, I mentioned I said first mistake was they didn't go with the Yardbird's name. Um, second mistake, according to Jim McCarty, which in hindsight, this was probably not the best course. Uh, there was no way we could ever recapture the sheer joie de vie of those first five tracks. So the remainder, if you press me, felt a little cheesy. Um, so in other words, Beck showed up, was really enthusiastic, um, really got into it, and was great. And they, they brought out five great tracks. Five song EP went over so well, I note that in my notes that uh, the record company decided a full album's on Problem was, you don't have Jeff Beck for the full album. Um, he had other commitments. He's also a recording touring artist in his own right. So, special get, best, special guest guitarists were brought in. Uh, most significantly among them for a couple of songs was Rory Gallagher. Um, so, a single was, so the album's released, a single's released, back where I started. One of the Beck songs, which is one of the Beck songs. Uh, they did an M they did a video which got some MBT MTV rotation. Then the record company began pushing for a tour. Problem is that was never in the plan. Um, Paul Samuel Sith, as I noted, is uh, regarded as a highly in demand record producer and wanted to continue producing records. Chris Drea was a very successful photographer at that stage, and both of them had commitments they weren't willing to sacrifice. This led to conflicts with John Fiddler, the singer. Um, to which I noted my notes, hey, you're in the Yardbirds, shut up. Do what they tell you. Given a chance to be in the friggin' Yardbirds. Um, 
who, um, but Fiddler ultimately, um, yeah, so it led to conflict with Fiddler. He wanted to tour. He was big on touring. Um, McCarty doesn't say either way where he stands on it, um, but it's worth, he does suggest that like it was never in the plan that we toured. That was never a plan. Um, so I would say he was probably fell on the side of, of no, we're not going to tour. These guys don't want to tour, so we're not touring. I'm getting frustrated with my computer here. So ultimately, John Fiddler wasn't very involved in this recording of her second album. They not only now were bringing in um, guitarists to fill in, they were bringing in singers. But their second album did happen. Strange Land was released in 1986. More guitarists brought in for cameras. Roy Gallagher again, Steve Hackett, formerly of Genesis, and... This is where we come in. Jimmy Page, who performed a one song, Asylum. Uh, McCarty uses the words soaring to describe Page's playing with Asylum. Rhythmically, it's very Zeppelin-esque, um, but tonally, it owes much more to the firm. Um, to me, anyway, I, I, I think it sounds like the firm. Um and it's the mid-80s and the 80s of the firm, so it, that's just the way Page was playing and sounding in those days. Um, but he's, he does he, he does have a rip-roaring rhythm part and a great solo, by the way. Really rocking out there solo. Um, it is a really good Jimmy Page performance. And one that reminds you that he doesn't get enough credit for his 80s work. Um, Strangeland was the Box of Frogs' last hurrah. Uh, is it is in fact kind of hard to get your hands on a physical copy of it um there is amazon does sell a cd i guess around 2000 they released a, a cd with both albums both box of frogs albums on it seems to be gettable but it's not always cheap or i, I i'm trying to remember if i thought it was i, I think i yeah i think it was a bit pricey so this is not an easy one to get your hands on but um, I'm not going to play it for you. Um, I'm not even sure why I've decided that. But I, but I think I've decided I'm not going to do the playing of the um, the, the solo or of Asylum or the solo. But you should go. But it is good and it is out there. It is on YouTube, by the way. Look up Box of Frogs Asylum. Um, that's the song you want, and it's on YouTube. It is. Out it, so it's an easy one to find and I will post the video uh, or link to the video on the Facebook page on the web page um, and I say that knowing full well that that's a 50-50 but uh, yeah I'll try to do that okay and so uh, you know it's not a big Led Zeppelin thing it's not a but it was and this by the way you know I mentioned it's 1986 when it was released it was actually released in February um yeah, I, I was originally looking uh, at the end of February to do this one, uh, around the same time as XYZ sessions, um, as XYZ, just because it was, uh, it was that was the time frame when it was released. It was released kind of early in the year in 1986. Um, so yeah, it was there, and I wanted to talk about it just because it's so. I, I, I was curious myself. What's the story here? And I can vaguely recall Page playing songs on the first album which didn't happen, which I have a copy of. Um, I have a cassette of that. Um, but 
you know, it, yeah, it, I, when I got looking into it, it was a different, but it's a worthwhile song. It's a worthwhile piece of music. Let's do it. It's a, it's a rip-roaring good song. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's a good Jimmy Page performance it's a good if you're a jimmy page fan it's just a good one to hear to get to know maybe to find and it's certainly been on my list to find all right let's do the from the collection and i am going to keep with the theme from the collection is one cassette tape kids this is called a cassette i'm sure there are some of you guys some of you kids who have no clue what that is it goes in a tape deck you put it in and it plays and you press play and you press rewind and you press fast forward and uh, plays music, and it is the box of frogs. Notice the case is falling apart here on me. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll notice that. And this is the first album. This is the Jeff Beck album. Uh, this is not the one we're talking about specifically. This is the Jeff Beck album, the first one. Box of frogs on cassette. I have a new. Yes, I gotta pull back. I have a new video light. I got one of those glow light thingies. Um, but notice when I get it up close on the thing, it's it the light really. So if I pull back, you get much better clarity. You go and you can see on the side, box of frogs. And uh, if I go on the inside, it's falling apart. It's disastrous. You can see the song list there, which is I'll read it to you back where I started. I'm dropping things like crazy. I'm probably, you guys are all, what's that sound? It's my hat hitting the microphone. Back where I started. Uh, harder, another wasted day. Love inside you, the edge. Side two, two steps apart in the dark. Just a boy again. A poor boy. Um, and yeah, that's, so that's the Box of Frogs, the first album. On cassette For your perusal. And that is it for Ramble on Radio, episode 160. Be sure to check RambleOnRadio.com and follow Ramble on Radio on Facebook. You can subscribe to Ramble on Radio through iTunes and Google Play. Please don't forget to leave a review if you get a chance. It just helps other people find the podcast. Listen on Stitcher Radio on Verbal. Download it from I am Brian Diamond on Podbeam. Check it out. Like the video on Ramble on Radio on YouTube. You can support Ramble on Radio by becoming a patron, patron on Patreon. Thank you for listening to Ramblin' Radio, and we're going to outro with some more of the end part of going to California in May 18, 1975.
Still. 